Welcome everybody. Welcome Elisa. Thank you Thank for joining you. us. Uh, my name is Peter Varadi and I'm an engineering manager at IBM Budapest Lab okay. uh, locally. Uh, and I'm going to be uh, conducting a, a, a quick and painless interview with you if you don't mind. Absolutely. So for our viewers and listeners, I'm sitting here with Elisa Coluccia. Uh, yes. Did I pronounce it correctly? It's perfect. perfect. Elisa perfect Coluccia. Italian. <laughs> ah, grazie. <laughs> so Elisa Coluccia, uh, she is a senior engineering manager at Zendesk. Yes. If I remember correctly, then you are located in Dublin. Yes, right? Over, that's correct. Overseeing four uh, development teams. Yes, that's One correct. One of them actually developing Push notification. Ah, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, that, that's, that's going to be, I believe, one of our key topics yes. for this discussion, right? So we are sitting here at Stretch 2020. Yep. Uh, you just finished your presentation. Yes. And the title was uh, How to Survive in the Era of Push Notifications, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Already, on the one hand, a very interesting controversy, right? That you are developing push notifications, but at the same time you want to... I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I'm, uh, yeah. But this also means that you know a lot about this topic, of course. Uh, yes, I have to say it's more like developing push notification is more actually about engineering. Mm -hmm. um, what I think I, uh, what I've learned is more uh, in my management actually practice mm -hmm. more than really like in the engineering ones. Uh, because yeah, I'm surrounded by like many teams and we work with a lot of uh, times and differences. So we have to manage uh, a lot of information that comes from different uh, media, uh, time zones and so on. Yes, so basically you are also uh, experiencing it firsthand, what, yes. what it means to be to, to live in an era of information. Overload, yes, yes, right? I, I think so, yeah. And this is, this is uh, becoming a global epidemic soon. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's uh, take a step back first yes. and, and then let's look at um, for the past yes. uh, for a second. So where in your opinion uh, did the information overload began? Can we pinpoint any events, yeah. tools, technologies? Yeah, so um, you might be surprised by my answer, mm -hmm. but uh, I think it really started when uh, the writing was invented first. So we really have to go back in time. Wow. And uh, well, there, are a lot of, uh, there is a lot of uh, references in, uh, I mean, if you search on the internet, yeah, they, mm -hmm. they will say that the information overload started when writing was invented, because, you know, of course, everything is proportional. And at that time, writing was translating what were the, the speeches uh, made verbally on writing, so was somehow propagating information from just one single speech that we could have, me and you, mm -hmm. in something written that other potentially million of people can read, right? And then uh, uh, after write, the invention of writing, there was printing. And imagine printing at that time, and was actually seen as a devil in that moment because it was making a, like pro proliferating all this uh, information uh, just in that simple way that was not verified, was not certified, um, and just like was available to other millions and exponentially more people. <laughs> wow! So you know, and then we went into. Uh, the digital era and we talk about information overload because of course we, it's not even now as, as printing but it's not even on a physical device it's digital so again it's uh, exponential so um, where it started I'm not sure like I have the answer <laughs> I think it started really long time ago uh, but what I think has changed uh, in time is the push methodology so you know even a book is something that you have to go and pick and read 
instead with devices that we have today and with the push notification, we changed this, uh, this way of delivering information and it's not a pull system. I don't have to go and pull it, but it just comes to me mm-hmm. with a push notification, with a push method, method in general. And I think that's the, probably the turn that we have taken in uh, the information overload. I see. Yes, you're right, because uh, up until the point that you know, we have started to receive information, regardless we wanted it or not, yes, exactly. we had the decision to make. Yes. Right now, it's completely turned around. Yes, exactly. exactly. Uh-huh. Okay, so, uh, so, so much from, from the historical perspective, but then I look at, look at uh, our lives as simple human beings, yes. from the time being born and we start to grow up, when do you think is the first point for us in our lives when we have to face information overload? Well, I never thought in this perspective <laughs> because, um, you know, like I, we are millennials, so uh, we grow up with devices and uh, I, I think somehow we are just like we are born into that and we are native uh, um, digital. So we, we are used to get this information since we are very, very little, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably it becomes um, becomes an issue when we are not able to manage it. So uh, I think it really depends by the individual and by uh, the ability of the single to to put barriers and to say, okay, I don't want this content. I don't want this information coming to me. I don't want to develop that addiction. You know, there are a lot of cases of uh, teenagers that develop addiction from uh, YouTube or this kind of media. Um, so, yeah, I think it's... Um, it's when uh, you lose the control and mm-hmm. you let uh, the, the external media taking the control over you. So basically we do, although we are born into a, a, a too much information yeah. world, but at the same time we do not have the defensive mechanisms in place. Right? So we have to learn them. And we, yeah, we have to practice. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have to practice them and developing them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I believe so. And if we cannot do it in time, then we can, uh, we can easily end up with addiction. Yes, absolutely. Or yeah. loss of focus, I believe. Yeah, or yeah, in a, let's say in generic cases, yeah, is losing the focus, mm-hmm. is letting uh, uh, priorities that are defined outside that are not really our priorities, mm-hmm. dictating uh, what is our agenda, what is our schedule, and what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was listening to your uh, yes. presentation earlier, and that was a, a very interesting example when and I believe a teacher in the U.S. asked all yes. the students to just... Uh, Put their phones yeah, on the yeah. corner of their desk. Could you please recap it for our viewers and listeners yeah. quickly? What were the numbers? Yeah, oh my God, I hope I'm going to remember <laughs> them. <laughs> but um, yes, so I, I'm, now I'm trying to remember them. But um, the, what happened is that in, in Tampa, in Florida, one year ago was the last February, mm-hmm. uh, a math teacher asked her students to put their phones on the corner of their desk and mark on the board every time that they receive a notification. So she had 23 students in 30 minutes and they generated more than 260 notification. What I remember clearly was the 182 social notification, social wow. media notification in 30 minutes. So. You know, like, and they're, they're kids, so it, it's unbelievable. And I really feel the struggle of this math teacher <laughs> trying to keep the focus <laughs> on something like math while the, the, the students are bombarded of messages and disruption and so on. And we are only talking about, you know, kids in school, so yeah. they're not even working. It's, it's not... It's not even... Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, yeah. You know, when we were kids, we had, like, this small piece of paper with, like, the messages <laughs> we were exchanging. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, but, but that was... Like, 
like a, yeah, a quantity that you can control. It's not, yeah, exactly. it's not digital. <laughs> wow. So then it just becomes worse as we move forward in our lives and yeah. we start to build up a career. We enter a company and then suddenly we have meetings and emails and yes. phone calls. And so it just gets worse, right? So uh, what, what does this mean for us, every human beings, in your opinion? How does it affect our health, either physical or mental health? Well, I think it increases uh, our th our stress, and increasing our stress meaning, means uh, increasing the level of cortisol in our body. Mm -hmm. So it really uh, somehow intoxicates our body um, if we're not going to control it. Um, I don't know if you ever felt it, but sometimes, like when I'm really stressed, I feel it even in my legs. Like I feel, start <laughs> feeling like small cramps, and mm -hmm. I, I can feel on on my own body that I'm putting like my myself too much towards like a, my own threshold and um, and you know we can be stressed from a lot of things but surely when we start having in our life a lot of things uh, that are not really our main priorities our main goals and but we start having like all this information invading our own uh, space we experience this kind of, of feelings wow how much data are we talking about can we somehow it? Yeah, so we have to go back in time, unfortunately, because recently they have not uh, estimated. But it was 2008 when uh, some American researcher as, uh, researchers estimated that uh, Americans were taking in 34 gigabytes of data every day in their leisure time. Every day, one person. Yes, which yeah. is a lot. If you think about 34 gigabytes, think about like what is uh, you know. If you think about like movies and so on, and you translate it, and you take. Yeah that information in, in a day, in your leisure time, is really a lot. Oh my God. But if you think it's easy, uh, like especially if you think about, try to think about today, you wake up in the morning and you read your phone and you open Facebook and you open social media and then you go to work, let's not count work, and then you finish and you start watching TV and you start watching uh, Netflix and you probably get again on Twitter and you, you know, you, you you, you probably have your second screen and while you're watching something, you're tweeting and you're commenting it. It's easy. Like it, it easily adds up. Yeah. But if we, if we want to put this into another context, uh, how many books do we have to read every single day to reach the same amount of data? So I don't have the answer about books, uh -huh. but I have the answer about newspapers. And in 2011, uh, other information scientists estimated that Americans were taking in 174 newspapers per day. So they, the equivalent of an information of, one, of reading 174 newspapers per day. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. That can, yeah, we can clearly understand now that is a lot. But this is not going to go away, right? Actually, it is, in my opinion, just going to get worse and worse because we have more access to more data and we are generating yes. data at an insane rate. Yes. So we need to learn somehow to control it. Yes. Right? You said that we need to turn the table around from push to pull again. Yes. That, that was part of the presentation. Yes. So what kind of techniques uh, exist right now that yeah. we can use? So um, I think the first one is... Um, cutting the decision that you have to make and really focus on the most important ones mm -hmm. that, that are the ones that are related to your core values. So as first, I think we need to ask ourselves who I want to be when I grow up, who I want to be in my life. Mm -hmm. And thinking you know, about uh, your life and your career, start with the very end and thinking who I want to be. Like let's say it's the day of my retirement how I want to appear, what are the things that I want to achieve, I want to have achieved in that day. 
And you know, if we start from the end and we start thinking who we want to be in the future, we can go back and understand what are the main actions that we need to do today, what are the main core values. So let's say I want to be a careful leader, I want to take care of my reports, I want to make them happy. So I can think of what are my core values today mm -hmm. and work on them. So in that way, I can start categorizing what are the important and urgent things for me and working on the important ones and trying to keep everything that is neither urgent or important outside and just not paying attention to. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, a second technique is, is developing routines. So, you know, if you have a routine in place, you're just cutting the, the energy that you need to, to invest every day of deciding what you have to do. So if you have the same schedule every day or the same schedule every week or even every month, whatever suits better, you can just maximize your energy in the time slot that you have already pre-allocated. So it means, for example, um, managing even the communication could be like, uh, you know, communication coming from a very different time slot in a specific amount of, uh, of time. So mm -hmm. every morning, you know, that from 9 to 10, you dedicate your time just for this. Or uh, you can have, for example, you know, two, uh, every Monday, you know, that you have to work on uh, the strategy for your team and you have two hours every morning, uh, every, every Monday that are dedicated for that. Mm -hmm. So creating these routines can really free up your energy in just deciding what you have to do because it's already set up and it's already like posing cluster. And um, by doing so, what I say is always is like, try to eliminate as much as you can the multitasking option. So uh, <laughs> if you can avoid uh, checking, for example, emails while you are in the meetings, it's uh, it's really good practice because uh, if, you, if you don't do that, you're just gonna do like, you're just gonna do both things not with the same level of attention and detail that mm -hmm. you, you could have, you could have uh, put in place uh, if you were on a task. And then as last thing, um, I think disconnecting is very important. Um, you know, as manager, uh, I think, and I, I do sometimes, uh, we don't pay enough attention to that. We just ask our teams to deliver stuff and to do more and to be productive and to, uh, to have a low level of attrition and blah, blah, and we keep asking. <laughs> But we forget that to, to have teams that are very efficient and productive, they need to have time to, to think and process and see the big picture. Mm -hmm. We, you know, sometimes we say, oh, they don't see the big picture, but we don't give them the time and the space for doing so. So uh, disconnecting, uh, remember that we, we don't have to always rush and do one thing after the other. Uh, I think it's very powerful. Thank you. Yes, these are, these are very good ideas to follow and then build down. But we still need to address the issue of push notifications. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> especially especially in, our, in, you know, in our pockets, we yes. have phones, laptops, emails, for everything that you can. Even our watches nowadays. Oh, right? yeah. They just start to buzz. Oh, the watch is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't set it properly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what should we do with push notifications? How should we handle them? Yeah, so there is a very simple answer to that, which is using the settings, <laughs> because <laughs> most of the application, but I know, it, it, you know, it's so simple, but I, I recognize that a lot of people don't do it. And <laughs> I, I see again on my, uh, in my teams, sometimes I, I check if they're on Slack or not. So sometimes I have to send email, for example, messages in the evening. And I check my team leads and I see that they, they, they don't have the snooze, the symbol, and mm -hmm. are, if I send the message, they will get the push notification. So I try to avoid to do it. But you know, I, 
I noticed that a lot of people are still not using the, the settings that should be used every time. So if you go in any of your application, most of them, they have settings for push notifications. So mm -hmm. you can decide if you, what, when is the time slot that you want to receive them, uh, for what you want to be notified. Maybe you don't want to be notified for everything and so on. And we don't have to feel the, the need of constantly being notified of things. And that's probably the mm -hmm. most important thing. You know, again, this is a developing a pull um, attitude instead of a push one. So we, by, by denying some notification to come into, come into us, it doesn't mean that we're not going to look at them. We're just going to look at them when we want. <laughs> so that's, I think, the, yeah, how we can address it. By using the settings, remember that we can set the time on off. Remember that we can set what we want to get, uh, which kind of content, and, um, and using all the tools that we have. Even if you're working with a Mac, for example, there is the do not disturb mode. Uh, if you are in a meeting, so you can always switch your phone to airplane mode uh, mm -hmm. on. So yeah, there is a lot of vari variety of things uh, we can do. But this takes a conscious effort to, to actively manage our push notifications. Yes. I can already hear in my head you know, one part of me saying that I don't want to do that because I'm going to miss something urgent. Try it. Just try it. <laughs> so, because if, if you try, you will see how much you feel uh, distressed mm -hmm. by not having the push notification. So um, I always worked in software engineering mm -hmm. and um, I always, was always uh, like an Apple fanboy, fangirl. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when it was 2009 and Apple released the push notification, you know, like there are, you know, when there are big events and you remember where you were and what you were doing. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember that day, I remember that moment. <laughs> so that, that was my kind of excitement. And um, they released push notification for emails. And for me, it was like something amazing. I could finally get notified when a new email was coming in. And I, I was incredibly happy. And uh, of course, I switched them on, all of them. <laughs> and in 2012, so a few, three years later, I took the decision of switching them off. I was getting so much stress by work email uh, coming at every time of day and night that I couldn't uh, bear with that. Mm -hmm. And you know, I said, okay, I'll try. And you know what? Nothing has changed. When I want, <laughs> I go and I open the, the, the Gmail app or whatever is the app that I'm using, and I can, get the, I can read all the emails. It doesn't change anything. It's just changed that I get them when I want to get them, and I don't let them intruding my own life when I don't want to read them. So, hmm. yeah, I think it's the, like, I would say give it a try, okay. and then you will tell me. All right, okay, <laughs> I'm going to be brave enough, right. Because, so... What I hear from this discussion is that, on the one hand, information overload is not going to go away. On the other hand, we need to develop a skill in order to manage yes. the data and information coming our way, Yes. which, which is turning the tables around and switching to a pool-based mode. Yes. And third, we shouldn't be afraid of missing out on anything, because if something critical comes, uh, people will find us, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Um, just one more aspect uh, before we close it down. Do you think that, that actually so much information and access to so many types of information can develop a, a new type of addiction that we have to start countering? Yes, I, I think actually we have seen it already. And um, again, I'm not a doctor, so <laughs> I can't really talk uh, for any medical matters. But uh, I know, like, and I read a lot of articles about, especially like teenager or little kids that mm -hmm. are developing an addiction, uh, especially when it comes like to games or YouTube videos and mm -hmm. so on. 
and like I, I think it's scary especially because you know when when we are uh, so young probably we don't have the awareness and the ability of putting in place a defensive system to, to all this kind of information so yes I think there is the risk um, I think there is the risk that you know we work in this uh, autopilot mode as uh, we were mm -hmm. saying in another talk in, uh, in this conference and we just do what comes to us what comes to us first and uh, we you know, it's uh, we just get used to that, and we let we, we think less, and we just do things because we are used to, or uh, they're just coming uh, in our devices, and that's it. That's the typical zombie mode of uh, it's the going zombie through Instagram, mode. right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Elisa, thank you very much for this discussion. Thanks to you, I was uh, honored of being here with you. The honor thank was you. Awesome. Thank you very much.